Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie and I am still your host. In today's episode, I have an interview with Gabrielle Gambrell, who is actually incredible. She is 34 years old and wildly successful. She's worked at big entertainment organizations like CBS and she's also youngest director of communications at Barnard College. So she's wildly successful and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. We talk about so many things from like informational interviews, getting your foot in the door, working on your campus, just so many different things and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Before we get into it, let's talk about personal and professional highlights for the week. On our professional note, I really had to do a lot of internship work for my sorority this week. Um, just getting together stuff for our newsletter that comes out, some Instagram stuff, all of that. And it was actually really refreshing this week to be doing that because I haven't been doing a lot of it lately. I do Instagram posts every day, but I've been focused on so many other things. My job, um, going to start school as graduate assistant, all the different things. So it was really nice to be able to get, like, get back to my roots and, like, figure out exactly like one of the reasons why I love PR so much especially because my sorority was one of the first like PR experiences I got as publicity chair in my organization when I was in college so on a personal note my birthday was this week I'm 22 big Taylor Swift fan and I'm actually right now like getting ready to prep for my party I'm doing like a 22 themed party you can go catch that on my Instagram at the real Jamie G or my fitness Instagram at Jamie FG Living. It'll probably be both there and there. So I'm so excited to just like pop that out into the world and it's gonna be such a fun party and I'm so excited. Anyway, I'm running to my party and I want you guys to hear this interview with Gabrielle. So go ahead and stay tuned for this interview with Gabrielle Gambrell. <laughs> So to start off, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I am Gabrielle Gambrell. I am a marketing and communications consultant and graduate adjunct professor at NYU. Amazing. So first of all, let's do the hot seat segment. So my first question for you is, what would you do if you won the lottery? Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> if I won the lottery, I would first pay off my school loans. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would... Uh, put away money for my son um, so he is secure and then I would invest I think investing is the smart move it was like I feel like so often we're like oh if I win the lottery here are all the big things I would buy but like there's like all the also that statistic that like most lottery winners like end up broke so definitely a smart move to invest absolutely (laughs) absolutely for sure so then my second question for you is, if you could have dinner with any person that are alive, who would it be? I love that question. It would absolutely be my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, Bessie Simpson. She was phenomenal. Black woman born 1912, graduated, had about four or five college degrees, one of the first Black women to attend Smith College, master's from Eastern Michigan University, several master's degrees from the illustrious Howard University, phenomenal writer, storyteller, gifted uh, pianist. She played the piano and she was just the most amazing person I've ever encountered and so inspirational for me um, and my success. And I would love to just chill and hang out with my grandmother and have another conversation with her. My father is the youngest of five children. So my grandmother had my 
father at 49 years old. So wow. I did not get a lot of time with my grandmother because she was nearly 80 years older than me. Um, but she still impacted my life significantly. She died when I was 13 years old, 12 or 13. Um, and she is just my world. And then secondly, I would say my godmother, um, who died suddenly, she had a heart attack and she died at the tender age of 55. Uh, she was such a big part of my life. I say I, I had three parents. I had my biological mother, my biological father. My father raised me as a single father after my parents divorced and my godmother. Um, and so she was so close to me. I called her mommy. Um, so I would love to speak with her again. Um, and then Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, who I love and adore, and Michelle Obama's pretty much on that list. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you were able to have that um, dinner with your grandmother, what would you want to ask her? I would just want to kiki. I would just want to chat. I would just want to tell her what's going on and get her perspective. And I also would ask her questions about now that I'm an adult, um, I've experienced more in my life, um, various things. I am really intrigued by all the barriers she had to cross being born in 1912, all of the barriers being the only, um, being the first. Um, I would ask her more questions about her parents and her grandparents. I think there's something about knowing your family history generations back. And I wish I, I knew more about her side of the family that was French Canadian and Cherokee Indian and um, have a better understanding of my Native American ancestors and just really understanding what my ancestors went through so that I could be who I am today. Yeah, I think that getting to know your family history is like so important and definitely something that I feel like I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm fortunate enough that all my grandparents are still alive. When I was born, the only one of my great grandparents that were still was still alive, my paternal great grandma. Yeah. So I feel like I knew a lot about her and like where she came from. But on the other half of it, I don't really know where the rest of my family is from. So it's definitely something I've like been thinking about a lot lately and that I like want to ask questions about and learn more about. Yeah, definitely. So now switching gears a little bit and talking about communications and all of that, can you first start by telling me where you went to school and what you got your degree in? Yes, I am an extremely, extremely proud Iona College alum. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I graduated from Pacific Palisades High School in Pacific Palisades outside of Malibu. And I traveled 3000 miles across the country to attend Iona, a small Catholic institution. I now have the honor of being on the board of trustees at Iona College and on the alumni board. And my undergraduate degree was in television, video, and film. And my master's, which is also from Iona, my master's degree is in sports and entertainment PR. That's so fun. Um, I feel like I get so many times, I get mixed opinions on whether people liked their master's degree or whether they don't think it was worth it. So what do you think about your master's? Would you recommend that someone go get a master's degree? That is a phenomenal question. So I'm gonna be brutally honest. I'm gonna be very, very honest. I do PR. I do communications and uh, strategic communications. You do not 
need a master's degree to do strategic communications. You do not need a master's degree to do PR. Will it help? Yes. Will it amplify? Of course. Will it, the second you graduate with your master's degree, do you make more money than someone who does not have their master's in PR? No, you don't. So I am grateful, extremely grateful that I have my master's because as soon as I finished my master's at 22 years old, I finished undergrad at age 20. I finished undergrad very early and quickly in three years, immediately started my master's, finished my master's by 22. Then I became a college professor and adjunct. I started teaching at Iona. I've taught at St. John's University, College of New Rochelle, Columbia University, um, Iona College. Uh, and of course I teach currently at NYU. So um, if I did not have my master's, I would not have become a professor at 22. Additionally, I will say though, I was very young at the time. I had an option to have my employer pay for my master's degree back in the day, which I finished undergrad in 2007. So we're talking 2007. At that time, a master's in PR was two years. For the most part, a master's in PR is just a year now. I say that to say back in 2007, my master's degree was about $40,000 a year. So I accumulated $80,000 in additional debt, more than the debt I already had from mm -hmm. undergrad. So I finished with about $150,000 in school loans. I would not recommend that for anyone as back to my lottery question. The first thing I would do is pay off my school loans. If you're in a, a position to have your employer pay for your master's. Absolutely. Definitely do it. I was very young and immature at age 20. I was working at CBS Corporation and they offered tuition reimbursement. However, they said to me, you need to stay here for five years. If you leave before that five years is over, you have to pay us back. And my immature 20 year old self was thinking, I'm not going to be here at 25. I'm not going to be here five years. I don't want to owe CBS money. I don't want to owe a corporation money. So I took out the school loans. Unbeknownst to me, I, I was there seven years. I was there till I was 27. So my I could have saved $80,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, if you are in a position where money's not a concern, maybe you have the support of your parents, you can afford it financially, whatever the case may be, definitely get your master's. However, if it will be a financial burden and you're putting yourself in debt, I don't necessarily recommend a master's in PR because it's not necessary. So your undergrad degree is not in PR? No, it's in no. mass communications, television, video, and film. I think a lot of people think that you need to get your degree in PR when you really don't. I right. have my undergrad degree in English. What would you say to someone that thinks that they need to get a degree in PR? You need experience to work in PR. So that means you can intern. That means you can volunteer. That means you can join organizations. I'm on the board of New York Women in Communications. Colorcom is another phenomenal uh, organization for women in communications, diverse women in communications. I would say many, many individuals I know that work in television, that work in media, that work in sports, that work in PR, do not have degrees necessarily in that field. A really good friend of mine is a television producer. She was a political science major. Um, what she did was later in her college career, she realized she loved television. And though she was a political science major, she did all TV internships. So she got that TV experience. Um, and it helps if you have a degree entry level, you have a degree in the field you want to go in, 
but there's ways around that, getting experience, volunteering, showing your interest in the field. So talking about experience, when you were doing your undergrad and your master's, um, what kind of internships and jobs did you do? Excellent question. So back in the day, again, uh, when I was at Iona, you were only allowed to have one internship, which is not the, the way things are today. So it was encouraged to wait until your senior year to intern. And so in the interim, uh, my first couple of years, I was extremely involved. I was president of the radio station. You can hear the thunder, it's raining horribly here in New York. Um, I was president of the radio station. I was president of the TV station. I had a lot of experience. And uh, my last semester of college, there's a bulletin board. That's how old I am. There's a bulletin board with internships listed on it. And I saw something for an internship at ABC. And so I went down in my best suit uh, downtown to 66 in Columbus to Disney ABC Studios. And I waited in line and there were hundreds and hundreds of college students waiting to be interviewed to intern at ABC. And I will say I was very intimidated and I started talking to individuals in line in front of me and behind me and said, hey, what college do you go to? What's your major, et cetera. And a lot of them said, oh, I've interned here. I've interned there. This will be my third or fourth internship. And I would say I was intimidated. And they're like, what about you? And I said, I've never interned before. However, I'm president of the television station. I'm in the control room all the time. I'm editing videos. I'm writing television scripts. And they're like, whoa, you are in a TV studio every day. I'm like, yeah, I'm president of the television station. I know how to direct, you know, I'm president of the radio station. And so they were extremely impressed at the experience I was able to obtain on campus. So I encourage in any individual, any student to join those clubs, get involved, take leadership positions and use that as a way to build your resume. And I did get the internship at ABC and I was hired after my internship, my first job in the industry. I absolutely love that you mentioned that you were only able to have that like one internship experience in college. Um, I think colleges that regulate the amount of internships you can do is so stupid. Um, yeah, they've come a long way. So that's obviously not the case anymore at all whatsoever, but it was the case back then. So thank goodness a lot of colleges have eliminated that. Well, so when I was in college, I was allowed to have eight credits of internship experience, which when it came down to it was about 240 hours of internship experience, which is uh -huh. not a lot. Yeah. So I just honestly did so many internships like off the books. I don't know if that's like legal or not. It's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of people do it, Jamie. A lot of people do it. But then you saying um, you got that experience on your campus being the president of the TV club. And I think that even getting those opportunities, writing for your school newspaper, working for my school had the radio, we had the TV station. And I was in a class once that was entertainment. And on one of the first days of the class, my teacher brought us down to every single area on campus. She brought us down to um, the newspaper room. She brought us down to the radio station. She brought us everywhere and was like, get involved here. This is where you're getting your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it really helps you to build your resume so that if you want to work in a field that isn't necessarily your major, or if you want to see if you even like an industry, mm -hmm. if you want to see if this is really for you, you have to take care of those opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities. 
Yeah, especially I remember I when I first decided I wanted to work in like communications, I was like, okay, fine, I'll go be a writer for Pipe Dream, which was our student newspaper on campus. And I absolutely hated writing for the newspaper. It just like was not my cup of tea. Uh-huh. So at that point, I was like, yeah, journalism never happening for me, like not something I want to do. But mm-hmm. I feel like it also gave me a lot of appreciation for journalists that I feel like now helps me with PR and pitching them um, because I kind of understand at least what they're going through. Um, I would say that PR and journalism are so closely entwined. I know so many PR folks that write on the side um, are, I know journalists who become PR uh, folks later in their career. So it's really closely um, connected for sure. So now talk to me a little bit about graduating college and then doing your job at CBS and then Uh moving on to everything you've now done. Yeah. So I interned at ABC, hired after my internship, um, and I absolutely loved it. I worked on Live with Regis and Kelly, which is now Live with Kelly and Ryan Seacrest. It comes on here at 9 a.m. every day uh, in New York. It's a great show, fun show. Um, And I loved it. However, I wasn't making enough money to live comfortably in New York City, which is an Mm -hmm. expensive place. And typically when you are a production assistant entry level in production, you don't make a lot of money. So at the time, again, so we're talking 2007, I was making minimum wage and I was not living comfortably on minimum wage. And I would say a lot of my peers had a lot of roommates or they had the support of their parents or they had two, three jobs. One of my friends, he was a waiter and he would leave the first job to go to the next job. I say all that to say, I had to have what I call a come to Jesus and say, okay, what else can I do that still is close to media, television that you love and make more money? And so a mentor of mine was the senior vice president of network sales at CBS. His name is Martin. He goes by Marty, Marty Daly. And um, I touched base with him and said, hey, I'm at ABC. It's awesome and it's amazing, but I need more money um, and I need full benefits, which typically production assistants are freelance. And so he said, Gabby, come over as a sales assistant, entry level. You've got the gift of Gab. You'll make it happen. I know you want to do PR. And so I did that. And so I went over to CBS as a sales assistant, which is great because I learned the industry. However, I was entering numbers in Excel all day, could care less, did not enjoy doing that at all whatsoever. So I took advantage of that year and a half to do informational interviews, like my life depended on it. And it was always a domino effect that after I met with someone, I impressed them, intentionally impressed them. And then they said, okay, you should meet with this person. And I got to the point that I met with the head of HR at CBS, Jen Suarez at the time, who introduced me to Gail Schwartz, the chief communications officer at the time. And it took a while, but a role was created for me. So I moved from the sales team to the PR team at CBS. I was there for five years, worked on everything from the Grammys to the Super Bowl, to the launch of new shows, to leading diversity, equity, and inclusion communications for corporate. And then I was recruited to go over to Comcast NBC Universal, uh, where I was for three years, leading their diversity, equity, and inclusion communications and building out that strategy. And then I went to FCB Global, 
a worldwide uh, marketing advertising agency with clients like Levi's and Coca-Cola and Burger King uh, with offices in 80 countries around the world. So I had direct reports around the world. It was awesome. And then I was uh, recruited to go over to Barnard Barnard College of Columbia University. Barnard is Columbia University's undergraduate college for women, where I made history as the first black woman to lead communications, as well as the youngest since the college's founding in 1889. And I did a total reorg. I did, uh, accomplished a lot there, award-winning work. And now I am consulting with clients, media clients like Verizon Media and Yahoo and small businesses and working with founders of startups like peoplecolorcareers.com and working with influencers um, and CEOs um, and companies like The Spicy Life. And so I have a handful of clients that I'm doing marketing and PR for. And then I also teach graduate courses at NYU in marketing and PR, and I also teach at Columbia University. I want to go back to when you said that you were doing a ton of informational interviews, and that is then how you got your job in communications at CBS. Uh huh. So the informational interview is so important, and I think that people sometimes underestimate them, um, but they are so important for networking. So for you, I guess my question is, how did you go about finding people to connect with? And then how did you get them to like agree to talk to you? Because I think people are scared that people are going to say no. That's a great question. Informational interviews. Informational interviews are instrumental. They've been instrumental to my career. Now, I will say that you need to do informational interviews well. So how did I know who to contact, who to reach out to? I went to my alumni office. I went to my college alumni office and said, give me a list of everyone that works in television, media, sports, entertainment. Give me the list. And they're like, okay. And so I reached out to hundreds and hundreds of alums. I was intentional and strategic in only reaching out to those that were VP level and above, because I know those are the decision makers. And I emailed them. I reached out on LinkedIn, very short, concise to the point, uh, fellow Iona college alum looking to connect with you for five to 10 minutes. Now these people are extremely busy, but if you ask for 10 minutes of their time, typically somebody can give you five to 10 minutes wanting a half an hour, wanting an hour. That's not realistic for a busy executive. So a lot of people didn't respond, not even half responded, maybe a third responded. And for the third that responded, I Googled them, I researched them, I had my questions written out. Um, I tried to meet with people in person around New York City, those located in New York, but then I also did phone conversations with individuals in my hometown of LA in the West Coast. And so people love to talk about themselves. I don't care who you are or what you do, people want to tell their story. So allowing people to tell their story, making sure that you convey how impressed you are with them and then have very specific questions uh, and creating a conversation where you impress them. Like they're like, wow, you've done research on me. You know what you're looking for. How can I help you? How can I support you? Um, and so that's what I did. I will say that also Martin Daly, Marty Daly, who's still my mentor to this day. And we are board, fellow board members on the alumni board of Iona. He's retired now and he's just doing a bunch of philanthropy and giving back, which is phenomenal. So Marty at the time 
was also introducing me to people and vouching for me. And that's the thing, when people vouch for you and you have that domino effect, if your friend says, hey, give this girl five minutes of your time, you're going to do it because of your friend. And so I was extremely successful in that domino effect. And I just kept meeting people and meeting people. I, to this day, I still send handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. thank you notes back then it was like you just send it to the office but now things are different because the office is your house so that that changes things but um really awesome beautiful thank you notes and um keeping in contact so every once in a quarter I would have an excel sheet and say okay now it's time to let these folks know what I'm up to so people knowing how I'm growing in my career the projects and things I'm working on yeah I think that the handwritten thank you note is so important and definitely something that was really stressed to me when I was first starting to do informational interviews and all of that, writing those thank you cards and letting people just like giving them a tangible thing of like, thank you, because it's also something like, I feel like when they get it in the mail, they might just like throw it around somewhere and like one day they might just like find it and then they remember you. But I think that now like with COVID, it's been so hard to be able to send thank you cards because not everyone's in the office and then you're not going to like really ask someone for their home address to send them something. Right, right, right. What I've been doing is instead of just sending a normal email, so I've been creating like thank you card notes on Canva and then I attach it in an email where I'm like, hey, like normally I would send a handwritten note, but because of COVID, I've opted for this, um, graphic so attached is a thank you note from like attached like a creative thank you note that's awesome Jamie I love that Canva is such a great platform to kind of help people to extend their brand and that's it a thank you note is a part of your brand it's how people will remember you um it is a reflection of who you are and it's great branding Mm -hmm. so now talking about consulting and what you do that now how do you go about finding clients to consult with? Do people reach out to you? Do you have brands that you reach out to? How does that work for you? That's a great question. So I will say that after I had my son, um, I uh, was at Barnard for a while and I returned from maternity leave and I was laid off. And so um, me and my direct reports were laid off. There were decisions that had to be made for financial reasons. And so when that happened, I notified my network that I was laid off. If anyone is looking for consulting work um, or any support, let me know. And I will say, everyone's like, hey, I got this for you. I got that for you. And then when the unfortunate events of the murder of George Floyd uh, happened, a lot of corporations were trying to identify how do we support our Black employees? Mm -hmm. How do we provide mental health resources? What do we do to let people know we see them? We understand what they're going through. How do we communicate about something like that, which is um, culturally relevant, regardless of your age, race, identity. Um, that's something that impacted us all globally. And so with the events that have happened in terms of the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, which is where a lot of my expertise is, and then people just knowing that I'm consulting, um, I would say all of my clients have come from my network and people just knowing that I am ready and available to support them in that way. And it's been so awesome that I am now at a point that I am able to say yes or no to projects and work and refer it to someone else if it's not something I want to do. I really am uh, working on and with clients that I really believe in and I'm really super excited to work with. 
I think brands consulting on projects like that with diversity and inclusion and all that is so important. Just having more resources working on those specific things. I think even like this month, I've seen so much with pride. I've seen so many social media posts that's like, hey guys, just remember that just because a brand puts up a pride flag does not mean they're actually taking the work to be more inclusive. Right. So I think it's so important that people are reaching out for consulting on those things because it's important. Yeah. And a lot of brands, companies, organizations, I'm working with other colleges and universities as well. And they're saying, what do we do? How do we do? How do we do this? How do we show that we care? How do we make an impact? And so helping them with programming, helping them with how they talk about Pride Month, um, how they talk about um, certain communities. And so Juneteenth is coming up on June 19th. Um, and uh, Women's History Month was in, you know, March. And so all of these cultural heritage and awareness months, how do you support uh, your people internally and externally? So it, it's really important. And people are, like you said, Jamie, people are saying, okay, a post isn't enough. Show us the work. What are you really doing? And so um, I feel fortunate be, to be able to move the needle in that respect. Mm-hmm. So tell me about gift of gab. Tell me more about what it is and why you do it. So I say my parents appropriately named me. I've got the gift of gab. I will tell your story. So my consulting firm is all about me giving my gift of helping brands, corporations, individuals, influencers, talent, to really amplify their story. How are you telling your story? How are you strategically reaching your target audience? How are you keeping them engaged? How are you elevating as a corporation, as a brand, as an individual, as a celebrity, as an influencer? Um, So just various projects to help people to tell their story and elevate their brand. Mm -hmm. So what sets Gift of Gab apart from other consultants, other people that work in PR? Why are you unique? So I think my career is truly uh, great in that I've worked in sports. I've worked in entertainment. I've worked in higher ed. I've worked in nonprofit. I've worked in agencies. I've worked um, for leading firms and corporations. And so being able to understand how those corporations work internally, externally, um, and then also the unique fact that I teach, I teach Gen Z, being able to speak to the current consumer base. Gen Z's, I'm a millennial. The, the um, intentions, the concerns of Gen Z is different and not everyone can speak to that prime consumer base. Um, so what makes me unique, what makes my company unique and different is my expertise and my experience that I bring to the table. So now switching gears and talking about teaching, mm-hmm. um, why do you like being a professor? What are your favorite things to teach students and anything related to teaching that you think that you want to share? So uh, people say, what do you do for fun? I teach. Teaching is phenomenal. And so uh, I come from a line of educators. My grandfather, my father's father was a teacher. My uncle's a teacher. I'm very passionate about education. As a Black woman, 
I am a fourth generation college graduate. That's not something I take lightly. Much of my success is due to my education. Additionally, when I was a student, I never had a black professor ever. So to be able to impact the lives of people that look like me, uh, NYU is extremely diverse. St. John's University was extremely diverse. The fact that I can look across my classroom and see people from all walks of life, people from different countries. It's just been really phenomenal. And I challenge my students. I tell my students, you will learn so much from me, but I wanna learn from you. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel. Tell me how this impacts you. The reason why I know about Snapchat and TikTok is not because I'm a millennial, it's because my students teach me. So we're incorporating that into the classroom. Um, and then additionally, I will say that I had a phenomenal college experience, but a lot of my professors will say 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and it's like, in this industry, that doesn't work well. So mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I'm doing this with Verizon, I'm doing this with Yahoo, I'm doing this with this company or this organization, to be able to bring my uh, experience, my very relevant current experience into the classroom, I know it amplifies the careers of my students. And I'm grateful for that opportunity as well. I think that more colleges need to recognize how important it is to have more adjunct professors that are currently working in the field, because like you said, so many people were telling you 10, 15 years ago when I was doing this, this is what it was. And that's not it anymore. And I was just having this conversation with someone that PR is literally changing by the day new things come to light literally every day. And companies, people, anyone that wants to work in communications needs to be moving along with those different things that are changing. Absolutely. 200%. Communications, marketing, public relations is a field that grows and changes day by day. Uh, it elevates and it's amplified by culture and um, by just the world and how everyone is living. So it is not an industry that uh, you can be stale. You have to be fresh. You have to be fresh and relevant and current and up to date to excel in communications and in marketing and in PR. Yeah, so what is something specific or a piece of advice you would give to someone in college or someone that just graduated that wants to work in the communication space? What is something that they should know? They should try their best to establish mentors. They should try their best to uh, create a network of individuals who are working in the field and do not take for granted peers. So the individuals in your classes who are doing extremely well to this day, some of my peers who I interned with, some of my classmates I keep in contact with and they help me at work and I help them in their role and they're a part of that network. So building your network um, and building your resume. You are as strong as your resume. So students should look at their resume at least once a week. Did I just acquire a new skill? Did I just accomplish something great that I could put on my resume? Did I work on a really big project in class? Can I put that project, that assignment that taught mm -hmm. me so much on my resume? And so when I look at a lot of resumes, half of the resumes don't reflect which students know and what they can do. I need to know that you know how to put together a media kit. I need to know that you can write a press release. Um, and so working on that resume, building that network, connecting with mentors um, and, and doing work uh, 
there are some industries where you have to do a lot of volunteering or you do a lot of work to get your foot in the door. That's definitely the case for PR. You will do free work, you will volunteer, but it will pay off in the end. Yeah, so now I think what you said about um, utilizing your peers and like students that you're in school with is something like, I feel like we forget it so much because we think that we're like, they're like our competition when we're applying for internships or when we get out of school and we're applying for jobs, they're our direct competition. But remembering your peers is so important. One of my best friends from college works in marketing and I want to do PR. And I, I said to her two years ago when we were still in school, I was like, one day we will have our own firm together and we will be so successful, but we're going to work together on it. I love that. That's (laughs) awesome. Absolutely. And for other conversations, especially as women, uh, having a network or people you feel comfortable with to discuss compensation, to know if you're getting paid what you should be getting paid, to know what the industry standard is. There's so many benefits mm-hmm. to keeping in touch with peers and having an extensive network. So many benefits. And then my final question for you is, looking back on your whole career, if you could do any of it differently, is there anything that you would change? Yeah, looking back on my career, I would have taken advantage of that tuition reimbursement that CBS mm-hmm. offered me. But I am extremely grateful for everything I've done for my very cool career trajectory to be able to go into the C-suite at 30 years old and lead a team of 25 people at 30 years old um, is a great accomplishment. I'm, I'm 34 now, um, but in my 34 years, I've done a lot. And at 34, I have my own company and I'm doing very well in that. So I'm super grateful for my career, my career trajectory and people that have supported me along the way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me and my audience and sharing your words of wisdom and your story. It was so great having you as a guest. Thank you, Jamie, for having me. And I will say, I think this is phenomenal what you're doing and kudos to you for being authentic and honest and courageous to do this. And I hope, and I I know, I know you will be extremely successful in this industry. So kudos to you and thank you so much for having me. 